This is David Marler, UFO researcher, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and I am joined on this recording by Dan. Dan, welcome back. Hello, hello. Something's different about this screen. If you're on the audio feeds, that won't make any sense yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, um, so using StreamYard for this one. Uh, so hopefully it makes videos a lot easier and quicker to get up and uploaded as well. Um, and hopefully some live stuff coming up as well again, because that's uh, something that's kind of lost on us. But um, Dan... I just want to announce the podcast. It's now sponsored by Lockheed Martin. So we're not going to be doing UFO stuff anymore. Um, yeah, anything you want to chat about? Like, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, any any questions about the sponsor have to be directed to the US government. Absolutely. And Mike Turner, my friend, good personal <laughs> friend. Uh, yeah, so I think largely we're going to be talking about, because we haven't for a few weeks, what's going to happen with the UAP Disclosure Act or the rumour rumor the schumer rounds amendment that would have been a good uh, for it yeah schumer rumor rounds um the schumer rounds amendment which i think to be fair all the language that's gone around the last couple of weeks with it it's been largely gutted from what it initially was going to be i think there's some positives still that we can take from it and we'll, we'll discuss those too um i'm going to give the layman's version of it dan for people who haven't maybe seen or if it's been a few weeks or a few months since you are listening or kind of keeping up to date with what's going on we managed to, after the hearings, get some legislation put through. That was part of the NDAA. That's the US's big defence bill and where all the money gets divvied out and laws get made and passed. Essentially, let's disclose a lot of this UFO stuff. That was going to be the good stuff. Two big key aspects of it was something called eminent domain, which, in other words, is we can come and get all the craft and bodies from whoever has them, and a presidential review board, which was a nine-person panel, made up of scientists, economists, that kind of thing, who were going to help declassify and disclose UFO, UAP files to the public over time. Um, That all got taken away, and a whole lot of other stuff that was in there as well. So I mentioned online, Dan, it was a bit like having, you know, Christmas dinner, and they've removed all the turkey and sides off the table, and you're kind of left with the Brussels sprouts. And even then, not all the Brussels sprouts. But there's still something there that is going to pass with this NDAA once it's all approved, which will be in the next couple of days, um, it looks like. Um, but largely, much weaker than what it was, yep. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really good breakdown of it. We, we can get into the nitty-gritty, but there were a whole bunch of, I, I would say, 60-odd pages of language all dedicated to really trying to pry the secret open. And it was all so so well thought through that you could tell that it was someone with knowledge was contributing to this. Then over time, it transpired that uh, David Grush came out as the the whistleblower, talking about programs, people he'd interviewed that worked in legacy programs. And he told us that he had a hand in crafting the legislation. So a lot of this was really pointed and directed. And and fortunately, that stuff did not get through. But keeping it positive, that doesn't mean that it can't come back in next year. The process, since we had this first better legislation, um, I want to say probably like around 2018, 2019, I think maybe, uh, is basically that legislation gets proposed from Congress and or from the Senate, sorry, and the House, both of those are Congress. It goes forward, it gets altered. Ultimately, it's all put onto, you know, one train that goes to the president and he signs it off and it becomes law. It always changes. It's just a substantial amount of it has changed this year, but that doesn't leave us with nothing. What we do have 
just before we get there, sure. before we get there, right, <clears throat> stuff to point out, and as I, I go along and learn a little bit more about the US political system each time we do one of these, um, this bill was massive, and it always is. You're talking Huge. like a tr- trillion dollar budget here, okay? The UFO part for us was the only bit that really mattered, but it's a very, very small part of what this overall thing is. So we and the UFO community concentrated a lot on this small part of the bill. <clears throat> But I think sometimes we or folks in the UFO community assume there's more attention being paid to this very small aspect of it than there probably is. And that politicians and lawmakers are spending their entire days going through that one part of the bill and they just aren't. Yeah. Um, and off some the cuff numbers. comments. Yeah, I was going to say, but just off the cuff comments can be taken as they massively support it. Sure. And it's actually they do or don't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah numbers uh so yeah i was just going to say the full ndaa has 3093 pages the document put together by the wonderful douglas dean johnson he follows all the ndaa stuff legislation stuff on twitter go follow him if uh, if you don't already he's really good and thorough with it uh that contains all of the uap language throughout the ndaa and other areas and that is a total of 21 pages so a teeny, teeny, tiny amount there is dedicated to, to UAP. Some things are related to it, extra than that, but it's really not a lot in the same in previous years. And to be honest, you don't need a lot. You know, it just needs to be very well defined, which is unfortunately what didn't pass this year. I've just so. changed my microphone over to the um, proper microphone. I've just realized that we're using my MacBook, by the way. So apologies if anyone noticed any difference in quality. Should have been all right. But I don't think you've gotten Deep, Deeper and smoother. Yeah. And the microphone quality is different. <laughs> um, but yeah, so on that, and I think I was thinking earlier on today, I was listening to George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell's latest weaponized podcast, and I've got some points to bring in from that and various things that have happened over the last few weeks. And they were being relatively positive with this as well, to the extent that you've got to acknowledge there's been a gutting of what was initially proposed. But I suppose you have to think of it. Imagine going up to your boss and work and being like, I want a pay rise, and then straight away going, yeah, no problem. That would almost be like, oh, that was too easy. Too easy, yeah. Yeah, and when you look at, especially in the last couple of months and last few years in the UK, for example, and I'm sure it's happened all around the world, there have been a lot of people striking for what they consider fairer pay in different sectors, and it takes weeks and months of picketing and negotiations to get something over the line which is close to what they originally wanted they almost never get what they wanted in the first place. And I think that's safe to say that goes for a lot of the laws and um, legislations put forward into these types of bills the world over, where there is something put forward, it's combed over with a fine-tooth comb, and it can be really boring stuff, just like how often the bins are collected in an area. But politics gets in the way. It just happens to be it's the UFO conversation this time. And it was no surprise that essentially private contractors and aerospace organizations and that was my joke about lockheed martin if folks didn't get it at the start haha um folks who are sponsored by these kind of big corporations were the ones opposing the release of the information that would affect these bigger corporations so that's really unsurprising dan point one because i'm going to be a bit all over the place here because my notes are crap for this just a general chat i want to ask you is it as simple as what a lot of folks are saying that because the bill was gutted by Mike Rogers, Mike Turner and co the way it was. Is that a straight up admission that there's something there to hide 
or is that far too simplified a way to look at it? For for me at the moment, I think it's a little too simplified. I think the the community has a, has a habit of you know just going after as soon as there's a name that's dropped, they just go after them, and you see this online a lot. But when you look at these things, even Schumer, you know, for example, is funded by Lockheed. He gets donations mm. from Lockheed yep. more than the people that are accused of blocking this. So there's a strangeness going on here. However, we have heard that Lockheed wants to divest itself of this material. So it could be that we're seeing a kind of public theater play out where they, you know, are trying to make the laws that let them give this back to the government. However, the the conspiracy stuff kind of doesn't necessarily fit for me yet. And I say yet because next year comes along, you know, just as in previous years, stuff that hasn't been addressed or is left over will get into legislation the following year. They'll rephrase it. They'll kind of work through the kinks and, and get it back into law. If next year the same people show up and do the same thing again to whatever language is tried to put through, then, you know, that's that's a black mark there for me in terms of their involvement with this. However, the things that were removed from this uh, this bunch of legislation, the eminent domain and the review board, they've been quite controversial with some people. They weren't necessarily just straight up great things to have. So for example, the review board, it was a nine person review board meant to be independent. Sounds great on the surface. But when you look at the kind of people that they want to pour in there, it could be suggested that you could manage the subject through that independent review board. And then there's not a damn thing the public can do about it anymore. You know, if you're just giving your authority to someone that you don't really know who they are, they can be paid off. They can be influenced in exactly the same way as politicians, you know, then you have the eminent domain stuff. Again, sounds great. But the truth of it is that only affects us corporations. If you were Lockheed and, you know, well, whatever company it was called back, you know, in 1950, the first thing you would do is get this stuff international and out of the country so that the US government couldn't touch it anymore. So I suspect that that wouldn't have done what we wanted it to do anyway. At the Seoul conference, Jack Vallee piped up and said, well, if the eminent domain stuff goes through, the government can come and take my materials off me, the materials yeah. that we're testing independently and we're being transparent about the results. And he's right. It would have allowed them to do that. And as much as the senators turn around and they say, well, you know, we wouldn't do that. You know, you don't have to worry about it. They could if they wanted to. So just put it in writing that they can't do that to public bodies and independent organizations. You know, you need to be specific. So this language, whilst it is incredible and, you know, looking back from 2017, we're now arguing over the fourth piece of UAP legislation in history being passed. Like this is really cool and it shows how much we've grown and the subject has grown. But the language wasn't perfect and they can just take another run at it next year We've picked up a whole bunch of new people since the beginning of the year in terms of the, the politics side of it. You know, it's not just Birchett now. We've got Luna. We've got uh, all the people that come with them in the UAP caucus. Next year, I have a feeling that between those people getting involved and the slick operation that community activism has become, thanks to, you know, Lester and Nick and uh, Disclosure Diaries putting those websites up to allow people to contact their reps super, super easily. I feel like it's going to be a, a big swing next year. So next year is where my eyes on it. If it fails next year and the same people do it to, you know, an effort that has regrouped and taken another run at this with better language, then I think we we can point the finger and start yelling conspiracy. So a few things to point out on that. So Jeff Nicitelli, when I spoke to him about the Vandenberg Air Force Base uh, UFO sighting, uh -huh. he made that point at the end, similar to Jacques Vallée, where he didn't like the eminent domain aspect of the, and I said to him, that'll that'll upset some people, won't it? And I think anyone who initially seemed opposed to it, it was because you're against transparency. 
when actually they're worried about the opposite. Like Jeff was, he doesn't want the government having permission to come in and take whatever they want. So it's it's kind of nice to hear a Jacques Vallée say the same thing that yeah, it's all well and good. This is meant to be used for the greater good, but you know, with great power comes great responsibility and all that <laughs> nice. kind of stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a copyright strike right there. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. Um, I do or do not. There is no track and all of that stuff. So <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you can't just automatically assume yeah we'll, we'll we'll be good with this power because that might start a snowball rolling down the hill so um a, a point i just thought about though as well when you mentioned lockheed before sponsoring we're very guilty and i mean the royal we of talking about organizations and we try and comment on this don't we that nasa isn't a person the u.s yes. government isn't a person lockheed martin isn't a person Mm-hmm. And I wonder, is there even a chance that an organisation, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing as you, Dan, Lockheed Martin almost 100% has non-human technology in its possession, probably has non-human bodies or biologics in its possession and is hiding this stuff. Not everyone who works there will know that. They will have base level employees who answer the phones and work on desks who don't know that stuff. The same way it happens at NASA. Do you think there's a chance at the very highest levels, though, of Lockheed Martin, there could even be some inner turmoil there as well that we see within the US government that some folks at Lockheed are saying, look, now's the time to get rid of this stuff. I think we should really be moving past it. Looking at the potential, like Stephen Bassett mentioned, to make a lot of money because of the patents they will have ready to go based on stuff they can't even talk about yet. But then some folks who are there saying, nope, we're keeping it. We're not divulging this. We'll ride this out. It'll go away we don't have to do you know anything right now and i just wonder that's something that's not really discussed too often that is there that turmoil right now within those organizations and as as this sort of spotlight being put on them turning up that pressure that we might not see in the face of it but it's happening in the background yeah you you can imagine boardroom meetings right with people arguing okay on the one hand we've got this incredible material we've been able to reverse engineer maybe like one percent of it to these ends and they've got a bunch of patents ready to go and then like okay so if we just come out and we say these have these things questions are going to be asked then you're going to get other aerospace corporations saying that these guys have had an unfair advantage because they were given xyz by the government for x amount of years which you know we've heard lou talk about before so it almost has to be a an incredibly careful masterclass in rolling out information do you do it for the public good or the good of the company and those two forces, you know, they always butt heads. A company isn't necessarily a humanitarian effort, right? It's there to make profit for their shareholders and for the people who who work there. So it's going to be really interesting seeing them roll this out, especially given that we've recently heard from a number of people that Lockheed don't want this in their possession anymore. So I imagine there's an arm wrestle, you know, people that want to give it away and essentially preempt any lawsuits by the US government coming forward and stuff like that. And also people that are going, you know, no, we've worked on this for 50 odd years. We've spent X amount of money on this. These are our inventions. That would be a really interesting conversation to be in the mix for. And I I wonder if we'll ever hear from people like that. If Lockheed don't want it, you would expect there are some people that want to come out talking about that, right? And so far, they haven't been. 
you know when people in the UK fly tip and you drive along like some country lane or motorway and there's a pouch <laughs> just left on the side of the road? Is someone at Lockheed at two o'clock in the morning going to dump some half a saucer just on the <laughs> on the highway somewhere in the US and be like, oh, there we go, drive away. Pe- people will drive, drive past it thinking it's just a road display, you know? People will take pictures for Instagram and stuff and not even realise it's a real thing. Burger and fries, $5 this <laughs> way, little arrow next to it. Um, so yeah, and, and your other point about the independent review board, again, you can go from the blue sky thinking point of view that this is going to be a wonderful thing it's independent we're going to have all these different scientists economists physicists you know um decision makers big thinkers involved to disclose ufo uap files that sounds wonderful on the face of it just play devil's advocate what's to say it doesn't turn into another nasa independent study group because that's what that was and look how people reacted to that yeah 100 percent agree with you there you know we with the NASA study group, it's an independent group that is going to be studying it in the future. We haven't even seen their conclusions yet. And we've already seen the amount of dust and mess that's been kicked up around their efforts. You know, NASA's spoken about being accosted by not just the community, but other scientists, you know, going at them mm. for, for doing this. So there's just this mess that's waiting to happen. And and in a way, I can completely understand someone going, you know what? That's a good idea, but that's not perfect. That's not the one. Let's keep working on this. We'll come back to it next year. Let's get this little bit of language through that we do have. And then that gives us the repository set up for where to send all these files for them to preserve it. Because that's the bit that passed. Sorry, I guess we haven't jumped into that. But yeah. the the stuff that did pass is mostly involving funding to UAP programs. That's Department of Defense, special access programs, and intelligence community programs. Anything to do with UAP unless Congress and the correct people in Congress are informed about that, they do not, they no longer get any funding, whether, you know, you can say a program is defined as a UAP program. If it's just like, you know, miscellaneous space program <laughs> that's not named after UAP. Uh, Cor- Corbell and that made the point earlier, and I am totally on board with this and I would have thought it anyway. I'm not stealing their points just because an organization and the government doesn't get official funding does not mean they won't get funding or find the money because they make the point that the CIA and that's verifiable and proven make their money through a lot of different ways and can get money through a lot of different ways and channels. So just because an organization isn't funded or told that they have to be transparent with their money doesn't mean they will be. And listen, I'm going to state this now just in case folks get it the wrong way around. I really wanted this to pass in full and intact even if that had happened, the kind of dream scenario, you know, the Willy Wonka golden ticket scenario, there were still issues with that language, including quite a lot of get outs within it. Yeah. That presidential, you know, a ruling could say, actually, we're not going to disclose files for various reasons. So it still had a lot of the, the blockers that are in place now. It wasn't perfect and was never going to be. And even then, I think you would have had to have looked at, that's a very quick change of tact if all of a sudden it was nope let's let's just give everything away it wasn't going to happen that that way yeah absolutely the the onus has now shifted because of the language that did pass the onus has shifted now what we look at what we're looking at is that basically anything 25 years or older gets automatically declassified so the presumption is that it's going to be declassified now and if the president wants to classify it he has to act on that to do that before it was the other way around the presumption was that it was classified and it could be declassified declassified with a bunch of effort and action 
that's a good reversal in my eyes. That's a better place to be. You Does know, that you, mean... you, you want to say that we can give the goal before going to VAR, right? Yeah, I like it. Uh, <laughs> does that mean all the Nimitz Princeton stuff is going to get declassified? Should. I mean, we're, we're looking at, so that's 2004, so we should be seeing that soon. Everything back to 98, basically. Yeah. Did yeah. We, just, we just miss out on the Phoenix Light stuff? Anything I mean, they might have on that? It's crazy. In my head, when we say 25 years, my brain is in the 70s, you know, but that's yeah. not, not yeah, what it is. 1998. 1998. <laughs> oh we wouldn't even get the Jurassic Park, Park original, you know? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, one of the things I saw, again, listening to Knapp and Corbell's show today, was they're on the road, they're recording some stuff, and they were together for the recording, which was nice. Um, they mentioned they have spoken to a lot of whistleblowers face-to-face who are coming forward. Um, Gary Nolan said the same thing on a Dross Coulter interview, which we'll get to. Um, so that that is going to be happening. You can put, don't put your mortgage on it. Um, <laughs> put a fiver on could, it. Yeah, put Five a fiver bucks. on it. Yeah, I don't encourage gambling. Encourage safe gambling. Um, but yeah, you can you can safely bet that whistleblowers are coming forward, regardless what happens here. And the subject doesn't stop because a bill does or doesn't pass, folks. Um, but they Nap and Corbell mentioned that the whistleblower protection language that is passing in this bill, whistleblowers are telling them they wish it had been stronger, they wish there had been more, but it's still not stopping them coming forward. And that's a real positive. Yeah, one one of the things that I really love about the bill, actually, is that... that so before when uh, Congress was going to get the UAP reports from Arrow, there would be a whole bunch of interme- intermediary people between Arrow and them. This bill changes it. Again, small change, but it means that Congress seems to be where the buck stops now. It's defined in the bill. The buck stops with Congress. So all these people in Congress now that are talking about this, that all these whistleblowers seem to be going straight to bypassing Arrow because they don't trust it. This this is now a, a nice, efficient pipeline. There are you know not too many cooks in the kitchen. People are going to be going straight, or whistleblowers are going to be going straight to the people who can action this. And if there is any funny business from Arrow, they'll be able to cross-reference that and kind of see that that's happening now. The thing I find curious is that this year we've had two instances where a review board has been suggested, an independent review board. One is in this legislation, and the other was way back in February when the shootdowns happened. We had Biden stating that they were going to start a interagency kind of independent government effort to look at UAP. And he meant it in the, you know, the broader sense that just unidentified things in the skies. Since then, we haven't heard anything about that. So my little, you know, flag is up wondering if in the next few months we'll hear the president announce that there is going to be an independent review board kind of set up that's away from this legislation and isn't politicized in any way. Is that possible? It is possible. But Biden can do any of this. No, no, he could decide to do. For, for something to not be politicized in any way. Oh, no, I mean, no. Someone will find a way, right? But yeah. it, it, it kind of creates a little bit of a firewall. And and I'm wondering if, you know, it, maybe maybe the Democrats want it politicized because an election year is coming up and they want to be seen as, as uh, taking don't, action. Don't but do you name, think... Don't name political parties. You know what happens when you do that. People get angry. <laughs> this is true. And you've got blue up in the corner here, so I pointed the wrong way. Yeah, um, yeah. I was, I was going to say, do you, do you think that it's going to come up in the debates in the election? No, nope. com- not up? at no, all. Not at all. I think if it does, it'll be a flippant, off the cuff, kind of jokey remark and comment. And do you know what? I thought that was a really interesting point as we jump all over here. Um, did you manage to catch Need to Know last week? Uh, yes. Ross Kiltart, Bryce Abel. 
I found it a really refreshing chat because I liked that they had a disagreement because it was honest and Bryce Stable, I thought, was very professional. And I, do you know what? I, I get why Ross might have been a bit like uncomfortable with it. Uh, you know, and I, but I, fe- I felt it was very fair, and I am. I mean, I choose Ross to say how much I enjoyed it. Um, that, and if you hadn't heard it, folks, Bryce Sable kind of called out News Nation, who Ross Coulthart is employed by, and said that they love this story when it suits them, but as soon as it came up to political debates, they shied away from asking a question about UFO or UAP when they really should have, and Ross should be holding them to account for that. Essentially, that's I'm paraphrasing. Um, and it was a nice conversation back and forward. And I get why Ross can't tear down his employer. And not that he should necessarily, but it was a very fair point. And people should be allowed to have differing. I've said before, haven't I, Dan? And we do as well. We disagree on stuff. People should be allowed to disagree and have different opinions on all kinds of things. 100%. It shouldn't stop them talking to each other because of it. And it was, and while they didn't fall out, and neither they should for the love of God over what they were talking about, it was nice that they could go, well, I disagree on your point, And well, I disagree on yours. It, some will agree with one, some will agree with the other. So I thought that was really, really refreshing. Um, and it was fair because News Nation have been really happy to champion the UFO topic and subject because it's got a small network, big exposure, mm-hmm. or a, a reasonable sized exposure, I suppose you could say. You know, if um, Kanye West married a dolphin, that would probably get more engagement. <laughs> or love. But, you know, as big a story as this is, there are bigger out there, are more popular out there, should we say. News Nation at a time when they really could have shown what they thought of the UFO subject and how much they treated it seriously chose to not go down that route and I'm not surprised and I think it's the same thing we've seen with a lot of high-ranking politicians and again not a dig either way Senator Gillibrand to very high level a senator really seemed to be pushing for this all of a sudden came away from it yeah you, you can really see the kind of, as, as much as this subject has come on in recent years, it's still kind of a hot potato. This is why it was framed as kind of a national security issue, because that makes it much easier to talk about as opposed to, you know, these kind of the fringe interests that it's seen as by, by a lot of people. Recently, we had a, a video of Gillibrand at kind of a community gathering, kind of talking about it a little bit more targeted at uh, a more casual audience and yeah and we saw that the level of engagement and detail there from her was totally different from when she's talking you know on on the good trouble show for example with matt uh ford these politicians they have so many issues to manage and so many issues to address that you can almost understand why some of them don't even realize that this language is in there i think it was matt laszlo from Ascapol. he he's one of the reporters that gets to stand outside of these rooms on the hill when people come out from briefings and things like that he's coming yes. on soon by the way he's oh he's great he, he'll be really great um he'll be able to shed a bit of light on it just in the sense that you know how much these guys have to do every single day how much time they can realistically spend on an issue that makes up 21 pages of a 3,000 page document exactly you know? yeah yeah and that, that's it and we've said before these people no matter what the position aren't spending 24 7 dealing with this they go home, they go to shops, they go for dinner, they go to theatres, they go play snooker, pool, football, hockey, they go running, they go to the gym, they go to supermarkets, they take their bins in and out, they do the garden, they tidy the house, they look after their kids, all kinds of stuff 
and part of their day or week may involve looking at, like you say, 21 pages of a 3,000-page bill. And stuff might come up that moves that out of the way. So a snippet or a soundbite or a comment or a clip needs to be looked at in context. And I think that's where anyone can be guilty of over-egging it either way, that someone's fully committed to the cause, someone's not fully committed to the cause. Um, that's that's something I think people have to, to look at here in the grand scheme of things. It's a question I think it's up to the individual. Should we be grateful for, or should we be grateful for what went through? Or should we have wanted more? I'm always that. That would have been nice to get more, Guy. Um, but I do also appreciate what went through is pretty historic. And it's a good platform to build on. I think that's the way it's got to be kind of looked at now. Yeah, 100%. Now we're going to have a place in the National Archives where everything's sent if it's older than 25 years. People can go and access that. People like David Amala, who's running the Independent Archive, can integrate that information into, into his records. And we can start actually having this information out there. And there are some glaring issues with this legislation that has passed that will have to be addressed in that. So one, one specific bit talks about uh, collecting documents from the government, both classified and unclassified, that pertain to, and it says, unidentified anomalous phenomena, technologies of unknown origin and non-human origin. Now, UAP has been defined in the past. So in terms of legislation, it kind of understands itself. You know, a politician can say, well, what does UAP mean? And they they have a reference point for that. Technologies of unknown origin and non-human intelligence, they don't have any references in this legislation. So very quickly, I would expect this to be rectified, probably in the first language we see from next year. They'll be defining those terms. Once those terms are defined, then we can start gathering the evidence for, for that. So it's it's kind of like baby steps. And we've said it before. This isn't the final chapter. This isn't the first round. This is chapter four of what's going to end up being a seven or eight chapter document of UEP legislation from 2017 to 2025. You know, it, it's a part of something bigger. So people despairing out there that this hasn't passed, don't don't despair. You, you know, we're, we're further than we've ever been getting this legislation kind of through. We're hearing from more people than we've ever heard from before. The platforms are there. The information access is there. You know, we, we should smell the roses. This is a moment to kind of, you know, maybe if your name's Steve Bassett, take a breath and have a drink and celebrate. <laughs> a lot can happen in the coming weeks and months that can affect exactly what you've said there as to how much happens and how quickly, what kind of language even comes into the public thinking and the public kind of lexicon. Um, one of those things, I think David Grush has affected the subject in the last four or five months more than probably anyone else has. I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. Given his position, definitely. his profile, he's came forward and, and made kind of massive worldwide, and he has made worldwide headlines. And I gauge that from the reaction in the UK and what happened off the back of his comments alone. Um, and to be totally fair, Ryan Graves and David Fravor, incredible what they've done and what they've, they've come out and said. It wasn't their comments that caught the attention of the world back at the hearings. It was it was um, David Grush. David Grush has more and more been getting those clearances. Is it DOPSA review for comments? DOPSA that review, that's yeah. right, yeah. Um, they are probably stands for review, doesn't it? So I'm probably using that wrong. It probably um, does. I'll look at that yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> it's like pin number that ends for number. Um, so, yeah, the, the clearance. It does, yeah. Defense's yeah. Defense Office of Pre-Publication and Security Review. 
cool. So yeah, Dobson. <laughs> there you go. I, I thought it would be when I, as soon as I said <laughs> it. Um, but he's he's getting a lot more things cleared that he can come out and say. So that's why more and more is happening. I just put out a tweet because um, I was watching a video someone else had shared, and a lot of folks were arguing that David Grush had changed his comments from his initial statements at the hearing, and since that he has he had no first hand knowledge, but now he does. But actually, when you go back to the hearing, what he says is he can't talk about his first-hand knowledge at the moment, but he can in a classified setting. And now he's come out and said recently on his News Nation interview, and I think that was one of the big things for me, the takeaways. Yeah. Please go and check it out, folks. They aren't long interviews. We'll put the links like in the description. Eight, nine minutes each, I think it was. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they're, they're segments. They're not interviews as I would kind of know them, or people might think. They're, they're segments, um, interview segments. Uh, but <laughs> he's come out and said... I'm going to be sharing first-hand information soon, my own first-hand information. So it looks like that Dopser request, whatever it may be, is is bearing fruit, and he can say more. I'm I'm curious what he can say, given that apparently the the request to say specifics was denied, but he can talk about the fact he was officially involved with a, you know, legacy U- program. U- yeah, a legacy program or a UFO program, essentially, yeah. is what he's he's going to come out and say. Um, he said before, am I correct, Dan, that he has never seen himself uh, bodies or organics, but he has seen, he's not, he's alleged that he may have seen craft. Is that the right? Yeah. And, and there was another quote from him where he said that he hasn't had experience with kind of stuff, but the question was phrased in a way like, you know, have you ever been driving through the forest and you've had a UFO sighting? It was a very specific answer to a very specific yeah. situation, you know? So this, this is a really good example of, you know, we have to pay attention to the words that people say. When they speak like that, there's a reason for it. And it doesn't always mean that there's a there there, but it often, you know, will will kind of point to a truth that, that isn't being told. Lou back in July, July 20th, 2023. Lou Elizondo. Louis, Luis Elizondo, yeah, the guy who ran ATIP for the Pentagon. Um, someone said to him that Grush had no firsthand knowledge, and Lou replied to them um, saying, you are wrong, you don't know the full story. So we're seeing that bearing fruit now, you know, it's kind of coming out. More whistleblowers, like I said, are meant to be coming forward. Several folks have said this now for some time, including a lot of top journalists, researchers. Um, recently, Dan, uh, I've ju- I'm looking off to the side here because I've got the notes. Eric Tabor came forward in a Daily Mail exclusive. Eric Tabor was a source Ross Coulthard talked about anonymously um, recently. And he is a, a defence aerospace contractor, had been for 13 years. And he's told the Daily Mail in the UK of an egg-shaped metallic UFO that was kept at Area 51 in the 1980s. He revealed his story um, that his great-uncle Sam Urquhart, an Area 51 contractor, told him about a UFO at, a mis- at the mysterious desert base. And he testified to Arrow back in May. Um, and they've been collecting information, obviously, on that. Do you think we're going to see, one question, more of these coming out publicly, but also, do we have to be wary of everyone that comes forward and the scrutiny that they might be under? Is this the time where you might start getting more, I hate saying disinformation, but people embellishing, people coming out and saying things that maybe aren't totally true, and... I, some folks might think it's hypocritical to not accuse David Grush of that, which would be totally fair in a way. Um, but I just wonder, it's once the ball starts rolling and it's, oh yeah, well, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> well, the real um, Slim Shady, please stand up. 
and put one yeah yeah that's a, yeah yeah that's a lyrics. <laughs> but yeah do you know what i mean yeah that we're going to see a snowball effect now yeah we we will we'll be stuck we'll, we'll hear a lot more Atlanta stories kind of coming forward so we need to have those filters in place where we can kind of say you know grush isn't just another whistleblower another person that's confessed uh in secret he has come forward he is very qualified his career is exemplary he's a guy who you know go go watch the videos on his background that we've pointed to in the past listen to what he's telling you his qualifications are he's an incredibly decorated individual and now he's coming forward to say i personally have first-hand experience of these programs running that's a big punch to any of the secret keepers you know like what is is it fair to say that that might constitute a body blow um for them for uh, them yep I, I don't think it's a death blow. And I think there's been, and I think if a lot of folks on social media were being really honest with themselves, the amount of this is disclosure, this is it that's been happening now for some time. And I, <laughs> I'm pretty confident if people went back through and listened to this full back catalogue, we have never made a statement that was so, it's this month, we're going to find out the full truth and that's it. And there's been a lot of that kind of stuff going about online. Absolutely. Um, I don't think even David Grush coming out and saying I worked on a non-human spacecraft would have that effect in the public domain. I don't think it would still. It needs to be a nine o'clock news government announcement official that would get the public's head fully turned. Not to say it won't have an impact and like you say, be a body blow, but you're not knocking anyone down on the canvas with that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's part of a longer a longer fight, right? You know, that's not a knockout, but it's certainly like uh the secret keepers will be sweating when when yeah. he comes forward and he starts giving those details over. And again, like you said, it's it's emboldened in other whistleblowers now. You know, we've we've heard repeatedly for months now that there are like twenty to forty whistleblowers standing in the wings watching what's happening to David Grush, ready to come forward with first hand evidence. Is 2024 the year that we see, you know, some hearings happening and a bunch of random people show up we haven't heard from before, throwing bits of metal on a desk, going, I've had enough of this. This is a part of the craft, you know? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? At the time, David Grush came out and they had uh, um, accusations put against them, issues with alcoholism and whatnot in the past. It was very clear how quickly certain interviews I was being asked about or if I had producers phoning from a radio station in the UK asking me about the David Grush comments they would quickly bring that up and say well it looks like he's been kind of you know dismissed due to kind of having mental health issues or having alcoholism issues and I was like that's nothing to do with what he said you know this 100%. is 100 and, and it, it wouldn't take much for a few whistleblowers to come out but one person to come forward of those with a bit of a spurious past make some comments that weren't fully true, be caught out. And I'm not to say they're put out there deliberately or even knowingly, but then that can have an effect on the overall conversation, you know? Absolutely. Um, how how it, many people talk tend... about Bob Lazar's kind of CD history yeah. when talking about the UFO stuff? They're kind of, you know, sure, it might signify that he's a dishonest person or whatever, but a dishonest person can still be asked to work on a UFO, you know? Like, that's plausible deniability right there. Yeah. Uh, th there are scenarios where that could still happen. So whilst considering it, we have to keep them separate. And David was never shy about discussing that stuff. You know, he bravely put himself out there and spoke about that. And it was it was just gross to see him attacked for it. And you're right, like, I, I wonder what other things will come out. But that that alludes to, or that event for me alludes to one of my 
big takeaways I would say from you know if this was a review show and we were kind of going okay 2023 what's your takeaway well I was going to ask you then anyway like where where do you see this going from now well what what's very evident this year is that there's a tug of war right uh we're seeing whoever's involved behind the scenes we're seeing efforts from trying to get this stuff out and efforts trying to put it away and we're kind of seeing that arm wrestle publicly happen. We just don't know who's on both sides of the tables or on one side, I would say. I, I think next year we're going to see that arm wrestle a bit more publicly again. Uh, we're we're going to see some of the legislation that we lost. I want to say lost because it sounds like we lost. We didn't. There's a big one. What we got forward, you know, it's incredible. <laughs> We've never had legislation before. But we'll see that refined and put forward again. And we'll see a much more robust plan. So maybe it's not a 60-page document next year. Maybe it's a 30-page and it's a lot more refined and people like Bertrand and Luna are involved in it and it's more detailed. But I wonder if that legislation comes off the bat of a hearing this year. Do you think we'll get more hearings? And Not this year, next year, I should say 2024. Um, yeah, I do. I think enough folks are confident we're going to get those looking at Ross Coulthard, James Fox, Knapp, Corbell. Um, yeah, I, th I think we're definitely going to get something. Burchette, Luna and all that have, have said at least you know they would take it into their own hands if possible I do also appreciate and listen not to sidetrack too much but a Burchette, a Luna they still have political careers they still have other issues that are, I, do you know what I don't doubt that as much as we see what they do on the UFO topic they will have constituents if that's still the word in the US who probably attack them who do support them but for spending time on the UFO topic so it must be a difficult plate to juggle. Plate to juggle. You don't juggle plates. Well, you can juggle. Yeah. <laughs> you can, um, yeah. Yeah. It's Risky. That, that, there you go. I've created a new phrase. It's, <laughs> um, it must be a difficult plate to juggle um, to, to talk about the UFO topic in that setting in a serious way and still deal with all that other stuff. So... Do you know what? I, I do get it. I totally get we, it. I we've think almost been spoiled a bit, right? Like these past 100%. couple of years with it being spoken about. So in such a lofty, serious way. Now that's our expectations. The second someone makes a joke about it, we, you know, kind of bulk at them. When the truth is, you know, when you watch any movie these days, something dramatic happens, someone makes a yeah. joke. Sometimes we just process things in that way, right? Do you, do you think it's like when you're given like a big box of chocolates as a kid and like your, your mum or dad says, you know, just have a couple and you have a couple, but then they don't take them off you and you have a few more and you think, I'm going to eat my whole way through this box of chocolates. And what they do is take it away and go, right, no more. You're going to make yourself sick. That's enough for now. You're not getting the chocolate removed permanently. It's just at the minute, you've had enough. You've maybe had a little bit more than you expected, but you know there's still more you could have had. And maybe that's, you know, the Forrest Gump analogy for right now. You know, <laughs> life is like that box of chocolates and so is the UFO topic where... <laughs> We know there's more chocolate there. There's chocolates we like. There's some chocolates we don't like. The coffee ones are in there as well. But you're just going to have to work your way through those to Do get you to the good like stuff. Do you like chocolate coffee? No, no one, coffee, no chocolate, one should. Not chocolate, no, and you know how much I love coffee as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's why I I'm don't. surprised. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, I mean... But yeah, also fun. a fair analogy. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to hand over to uh, Lockheed Martin for this brief message. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Um, have you got any more to say on that? Because I want to talk about the Coulthard and Nolan interview as well. which may bring No, let's, let's anyway. jump forward. Cool. Um, so out of kind of nowhere, because I never saw it advertised, so that counts as out of nowhere. Um, uh, Ross Coulthard, hour-long interview with Gary Nolan, dropped last night as we record this. It's the 13th of December. Um, and that was on the 12th, I think time zones all that stuff but yeah in the last day or so um 
this is going to go out pretty quick and I've got Gary Nolan on the podcast tomorrow. I don't think I've got him for too long, folks. So I appreciate it might not be a long interview, but um, yeah, um, I'll make do. But yeah, he was on with Ross Coulter. Really interesting conversation. Some old ground covered on there, some new stuff covered, which was good. Just going through some of my notes, Dan. Um, early on, Gary Nolan says he doesn't think this is ET or extraterrestrial. Um, he said it could explain what's happening with the phenomenon, the subject, but he doesn't think so. And this always makes me think when comments like this are made, because one of the big names recently that's been saying a lot of stuff that's caused a lot of stir, Danny Sheehan, he is convinced this is something coming from another another star system, isn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. Bath, I think so as well. Um, Chris Mellon has pretty much stuck to the ET hypothesis, hasn't he? Or at least he's he's used that as a as likely this maybe with the giving himself the wiggle room to go forward if the conversation progresses. Um, but there still seems quite a divide with people you would assume are in the know. Or, let me just say, and I hope people get what I mean by this without going into names, a lot of folks who run in similar circles seem to still hold quite differing opinions. Yeah. And you would think, oh, have you not all sat around a table and discussed this? It, it all kind of points to the idea that no one really knows what's going on and we we always come back to this on that slide nine you know from the eight presentation it talks about cognitive manipulation if all of us are having our brains manipulated by whatever this is whatever this phenomena is it can interact with us in a way that both you and i look at the same thing and see totally different objects then i can totally understand why people disagree with it on uh, disagree on what it is and have all these different scenarios but it also speaks to the importance that if someone is further along in their study of this thing and can get us past that illusion to to what is truly behind it they should speak up because it's going to save a lot of work um and data gathering and things like that avi loeb did just this week said that he had a conversation with david grush and he's been quite disparaging towards grush in the past mm. But he seems to have changed his tune now, kind of a lot more on an even keel, doesn't say he believes him, but doesn't think he's, you know, fibbing uh, in the same breath. But he agrees, you know, all this money they're putting into the Galileo project to recover these ferals and study them and put these observation platforms out in the world. All of that money could be saved if someone's already done this. And it kind of feels really frustrating to see maybe some of those Republicans turn around and say, well, we don't want this UAP program because it's going to double up spending and it's a waste of money because we already have arrow to say that we can't have that because of it's a waste of money and then in the same breath kind of supporting these legacy programs that have this information that have spent all the money on it billions probably over the decades and then still let it people like abby go out and do the work it just feels cruel and unnecessary i think the subject itself me and you are filled with assumptions and speculation people pass off a lot of assumptions as knowledge as well yes. and i think a really good example of of that and even for my own bias i would assume an organization like the cia with all its deep black budget top secret technology and projects would have the very best of cutting edge technology stuff that we can't even think about as being real but they would have it gary nolan mentioned on the interview that he was approached by the cia to do blood work on individuals exposed to uap um because he had developed technology in his day job gary nolan's an award-winning cancer immunologist um that 
no one else had in the world. I would have assumed an organization like the CIA wouldn't have had to have gone to a professor like that to get access to that kind of tech and they would have had it themselves. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point because the, and, and I guess it speaks to something else that we touched on that not necessarily everyone has everything when it's announced, you know, you, you have the latest iPhone. I don't, someone else is going to have like a much older phone. So I can, I can imagine scenarios in which an organization like the CIA that seems to have been conducting crash retrievals around the world finds himself flat footed, or at least very curious of a, of a, about a development of technology like what Gary has that can, you know, sequence things on a molecular scale and kind of see what's in there. It could be that they thought that that kind of thing was the key to, unlocking a part of the material they had, but they never had access to it, but they knew the tool that they wanted, you know? They knew they needed a cross-head screwdriver, just someone hadn't created one yet. Just apologize to the folks on uh, YouTube who can see me coughing, but I'm on mute. I have a bit of a cold, and uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm at that point, I can cough, and I'm pretty sure I can taste blood, you know, where my throat's oh, no. not raw. So oh, apologies, no. folks. Zombie um, apocalypse starts here. <laughs> oh, um, Another incident that was talked about, an incident that was talked about even, was with Ross Coulthard, telling Gary Nolan about uh, a UFO that had apparently um, ejected or dripped off molten slag, like a huge pile of molten, uh -huh. you know, whatever the material was. Um, and I had a great idea that the, the title for that should have been um, Gary's Molten How. As I, <laughs> I love How. it. That's yeah. good. Um, if it was an article, it doesn't really work in video form. But yeah, I like that. That, that could have been the banner at the bottom. Um, I'll tell Gary that one tomorrow. It's good. But, Ross talks about, you know, um, there was police reports on this. A lot of public witnessed this huge pile, but six foot by four foot pile of ejected metal or some kind of um, material from a UFO. And the whole conversation opens up to why would any UFO or UAP have to eject any material? Is it a byproduct of a propulsion system? We don't hear about this all the time. Why don't we? And I thought that was pretty interesting. It's not something that's new. But again, just that there was police reports on it. There was a lot of people witnessing it. And it was all around around that talk of Gary and his team who who have samples of these kind of things. What do you think about that? Why do you think some of these objects do eject any material? Does it make you think that these are more likely to be human or man-made? Well, we've got we've got a few different possibilities there. One is exactly what was specified. You know, there's a idea that the propulsion system or something about the UFO means that it has to eject waste material from it, and that waste it could be as simple as the the molten stuff that was recovered is that waste material. That would certainly go some ways to explaining why the material itself doesn't really make sense in a way that it's not something usable. You, you know, um, it's not like you're digging up iron ingots and using it. You know. But then on the other side of things, we've got the idea that, you know, Diana Prasalka goes into, into this in her books of these gifting fields of things being dropped by these craft to kind of clue us into different parts of what they're doing or how they function and things like that. Because you'd certainly expect if a visiting species didn't want us to get their technology, you'd think that they'd be careful not to leave anything behind, you know, Otherwise, you're going to look at it like when we send rovers to the moon or Mars, you know, we just leave all the material there for someone to kind of go, oh, this is the level of technology. There are things we can derive from that knowledge. So unless it's intentional, unless there's been a decision made to, to leave that stuff here, I can't imagine why they would just leave that here. It certainly suggests either a human origin or an intent to leave that material behind for studying. Yeah, or it's just an idea of, a process that we have no concept of or why that yeah. even happened but it, it just does and 
we just don't know yet but it's, it's a difficult one but yeah um, imagine it's like nope and uh, here we are talking about it like fuel waste and it's not even fuel waste it's literally living creatures so it's just, we're, we're picking up its poop and kind of going wow yeah. this is the craziest thing in the universe <laughs> it's the ufo pigeon shit as you're walking along <laughs> yeah. the street and it lands on your shoulder um essentially <laughs> um they talk about to the stars academy and it's crada yes. agreement with the u.s government um he mentions the bismuth magnesium samples that were found and i'm just going to cough very quickly dan the business magnesium samples that were found were the ones that a little while back to the stars bought some material off linda mountain Howe, and it was five thousand dollars yeah i think it was like 25 26 i don't know somewhere around there uh maybe maybe we're looking in pounds and dollars and stuff but 25 and a half we'll spot 25 yeah let's go for that pretty cheap so this material was originally sent into Art Bell. It, it's known as Arts Parts. And it's this layered material that kind of goes, you know, bismuth, magnesium, bismuth, magnesium. And supposedly when you put a certain frequency of terahertz across this material, it levitates. So we're talking a material that will, you know, however it's doing it is levitating either, you know, magnetic repulsion or something else. It's creating a field and floating tom a little while back signed a crowd agreement or to the stars did which was an agreement with the u.s army to give the material over so that they could study it we haven't heard about that for a long time now and it's a really good example actually of what eminent domain could have ended up leading to i've seen a lot of criticism about giving the material to the army in that People think it's just in a black hole now. We're never going to find out what happens to that material. We're never going to get any feedback. It's all classified. And it could be, you know, the reveal could be ahead of us. But as of right now, that material disappeared from the public conversation and from view, is being studied by the army, but no one knows anything about it. So just that, on that, that the last the on. last comments I heard was when I spoke to Jim Semivan and he said it was COVID, wasn't it? That yes. the resources that were allocated to study it were taken up when COVID came along. So they just had other stuff they focused on. So so we got to wonder if that's been picked back up again now. And But there's no one we can ask, right? Like, it's just in a black hole. We can't just message the army and kind of say, hey, do you have that material? Because the spokesperson, as you said, isn't going to know about this in specific programs. They're just going to exactly. go, eh, you'd have to ask, blah, blah, blah. The, the one thing in that clip that I found curious, and I don't know if it was a mistake or whether it's just something we didn't know, is when they were talking about this material, Ross says that it was given to to the stars by the government, and then Gary agrees. We haven't heard that before. As far as I knew, it was bought off Linda Martin Howe, who got it from Art Bell. Before that, there's no chain of custody for this, because it was just sent to him anonymous, anonymously as something from a crash site. So could it be that they found that it was given by the government to Art Bell? And I mean, that just opens a whole, whole other can of worms, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, don't know if that was a misspeak or whatnot. We won't go too much longer, Dan, because uh, I'm going to pass away soon from this cough. Um, <laughs> but on that, um, they mentioned uh, observations of objects. Gary Nolan did said objects going from 50 feet above ground level to 14 miles in space instantaneously. And he says the power output required to do that would be of this entire planet's yearly nuclear power output every second is what the kind of energy... So. Yeah, that's insane. If you think this is Chinese drones or US drones, then wow, um, because that is such a leap in technology, isn't it? When you hear and, that um, kind of power. 
we've got to remember as well there are satellites in space that that detect certain signatures on earth and when i say certain signatures i don't mean i know i'm not talking about ufos i'm just talking about you know if you leak a certain material from a power plant the satellite will be able to see it so power outputs is something that we can view with satellites that are in space so if it was china that was operating these things and their craft were using that amount of energy to, to move about then we, we would know about it, you know, and I, I that's the royal we. The U.S. government would know about it. So there would be no reason for this whole mysterious arrow thing. They could have just dealt with it in the first place secretly, you know? Absolutely. Dan, okay to start wrapping up? Uh, yes. Before yeah, I, absolutely. Before I, I don't die, want you to die on, on camera. You can die quietly. <laughs> One more time. Uh, <laughs> One more single, time. Single oh, well, of the year. While it came up, today is December 13th. So uh, happy, happy birthday to Tom DeLong of Blink-182 and to the stars, who is 48 today uh, and has been bringing us the future since 1975. So thank you, Tom. Best known for his work with Box Car Racer. <laughs> Plus 44, I think. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and I just want to finish off. Uh, one of the listeners, Jeff, on the Discord mentioned that um, Steve Bassett does have a campaign and he mentioned this on the interview I've done with him. And I'll put the link in the chat as well. And I think it's timely, Dan. You mentioned all the UAPcaucus.com. We'll put those links in the description as well. Um, Steve Bassett's campaign is the, to deliver 100,000 tagged tweets and 100,000 emails each to the offices of Senator Schumer, Warner and Rubio by January 1st, 2024. And the core message is appreciation for the UAP Disclosure Act and the imperative for UAP hearings in January before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Um, I'll put the tag or the tweet for, I think, the Steve's website and everything in there as well. And if folks can, I think Steve had made it really simply, discuss this at the end of the podcast with him, um, how folks can go in send all that information he's got the list on there of all those important folks as well for the love of god dan i can't talk anymore <laughs> oh one more thing just before we wrap up just before we came on this just came out um there was a paper in a cambridge journal of astrobiology volume 23 for 2024 even though that's better be good yeah i thought it was great <laughs> um so in a proper scientific journal all peer-reviewed there's a paper that's called psychological aspects in unidentified anomalous phenomena witnesses and it basically the i won't read the abstract i'd recommend just google that um and it'll come up for you but it basically says that people who have had ufo experiences seem to become non-pathologically obsessed with it afterwards so not in a you know negative way but they just become all about that which is curious i think you and i are both in that ballpark you know we've had our own experiences and we're now here doing this i think people out there would would speak to the same thing and it made me think of you asking randall nickerson about the aerial encounter and whether the children in that encounter were maybe given that experience that when they come of age years later they were able to share it in the way that they have to kind of infect others with a you know message or a bug or the idea that we're not alone so i thought that was curious and really cool that it's in a cambridge uh journal too nice also i think it's worth noting explore scu has a paper out on the shapes and sizes of UAP UFOs. I'll stick the link in the description for that as well. I've not had a chance to look through that yet, um, but I imagine it will have been well-researched and well-looked at um, or not, and I'll delete as applicable, but it should have been. <laughs> um, those are some serious folks who do some good research as well. Dan, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. And I'm going to go and die quietly in a corner. Remember, folks, support your local family-run businesses like Lockheed Martin. 
that is all for this episode thank you very much for tuning in don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform apple and spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm if you're checking the show on youtube please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform and finally you can listen to shows ad free and sponsor free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on apple spotify just search that ufo podcast premium youtube you can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com thank you very much for listening folks it wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer more like a hubcap designed by chaucer a little baroque and quite steampunk like alice was playing bass for the parliament of folk the little fucker hovered right inside of my window and when i shoved out the screen he made